This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis, and he's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising subject oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's the wheel. Which obviously is all about the history of reading. It's the Renaissance invention of the reading wheel. And don't forget that the history of the wheel is actually all about the Eiffel Tower, the Chicago Exposition of 1893, and, rather brilliantly, the history of laziness. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and tell all your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit, and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss, and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 16 of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the annotation, scribbling in margins, graffiti, even pots. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how simply everything has a history, and crucially how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of dreams is really all about digestion? <laughs> and, and, and incidentally... Cheese. Cheese. Ape, apes' heads under your pillow. Right. As well. Wow. Which you will cover, you will, we, will, we will discuss in great detail uh, in a later podcast. Uh, or that the history of dragons is really all about exploration. It's about uncharted territory. It's really the story of maps and mapping. I also think it's to do with this history of fear. The history of fear, the this unknown. History of the unknown. So we're Excellent. very much looking forward to doing Dragons, Excellent. which is coming up. The man sitting opposite me is the Baron of Biennials. It's, <laughs> Pro- it's Professor James Daybell. Excellent. And the man sitting opposite me is the magician of maritime history. It is Dr Sam Willis. Together we will be piloting you on this uncharted and fair, frankly highly dangerous flight into the past. Each week, one of us will take the lead, and this week, it's my turn. Okay, Sam, what have you got for us this week? Well, I was thinking about this recently, and I was standing there looking at um, a... Well, I mean, the honest explanation is I was I was playing roulette in a casino. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what the I... The history yeah. of gambling? Not the history of gambling, it's the history of the wheel. The history of the wheel. Because I was there looking at uh, the roulette wheel spinning round, right. and it struck me that there was a very interesting link between the wheel and chance and the history of gambling, which I was interested in and wanted to explore. Ah. Um, and I'm going to be doing that in a minute. But um, we are going to do the history of the wheel. Now, there are obvious routes this can go down, and less obvious ones. And I'm yes. guessing that you, being you, have got a less obvious one. I have a much, le- a much less obvious one. Shall I do some freewheeling Let's to, do begin <laughs> to begin with? Let's both do some freewheeling. some freewheeling. So, if I'm thinking about the history of the wheels, um, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of taxonomies. Um, so, you know, different orders of the wheel. So, I'm thinking about different types of wheel. Water wheel, potter's wheel... Wheel on a cart, Ferris wheels, cogs, cycles, transport. The wheels everywhere. All of those. All, it's everywhere. And if we connect that, it's about transportation, it's about energy, it's turning, it's power. 
the importance of the wheel for trade, for transport, technology. I think technology and industrial revolution is an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. You, th you think yeah. about um, spinning spinning wheels, I suppose that's an early version of it, isn't it? But yeah. um, all of the, I, I think Brunel, I think of kind of like hideous Victorian factories where they're making yeah. stuff with whirring machines which will chop your yeah. fingers off. And I think of, I think of water, water, water wheels. Yeah. Um, but also the wheel is metaphor. Okay. So the wheel, the wheel of fate. Yeah. You know, and, and in fact, the wheel, in some ways, cycles, cyclical circularity underpins interpretations of history. It does. Revolutions. 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 But if you also think about how, in classical times, historians would have thought about the history of civilizations, they would have been, you know, in terms of cycles, which was, you know, was sort of modified in the medieval period. The Renaissance was all about that kind of return of cyclical history. So do we have this kind of linear development of civilization or do we have something that, you know, that, that, that changes? You can apply that to economy, society, you know, whatever. So the wheel is actually quite fundamental in lots of ways. I mean, there's certainly an obsession with this, this sort of cyclical view of history. Um, you know, the, the popularity of books called the rise and fall of yes. whatever it is. Yes. Everyone, everyone wants to hear about the collapse yeah. of the Roman Empire. Everyone wants yeah. to hear about yeah. the collapse of British Cameron's recent, recent fall after his, you know, meteoric rise. Absolutely. And, and the, the, wheel, the wheel of history coming back and biting you. And yes. I think also linked with that, this sense of um, people being interested in the sort of burden of having to learn from history that often comes up when I'm when I'm talking with the public about history about about lessons lessons from history lessons from history there are no lessons to be learned from history history is a unique by its own definition is a unique occurrence in the past there is nothing to learn from history <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know I, I see that as actually being very central to a sort of a more more general perspective of history and of what historians do, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. So, um, back to my thing. I, lo I, love, I love this. So there I was on roulette and I, I'd been looking at all the numbers that had been coming up and they'd been all red. So in roulette you have numbers and you have red or black um, and then you have green for the green zero. Right. Which, which basically puts all of the odds in favour of the house. And um, roulette existed before gamblers realised how good the, the green zero was um, for actually creating a game that the house, house could make money out of. Um, so I'd seen um, a, a load of red numbers come up. It had been red 12, red 15, red 10, red 9. I was like, well, surely black, it's due a black to come up. So I put all my money on black and it came up red. <laughs> the point being is that even if you think that there's a way of beating the roulette machine, there really isn't, unless you can somehow measure the speed at which the ball is put in and that the wheel turns. You can't do it. Um, there are lots of ways that people learn to cheat with roulette. So, it's genuinely random. It's absolutely fabulous. The opposite of this, we'll do a little game. Okay, yes. ready? Sure. Heads or tails? Tails. No, it's heads, you see. You know over five pounds. It's a great game. Heads or tails? <laughs> <laughs> but you're in charge. Yeah. You're in charge. So, yeah, Tails. I, no, it's heads. It's heads. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm not, I'm not even tossing a coin. But So it's all to do with randomness and people being able to harness that randomness for gambling. Yes. Okay, now, roulette is quite a complicated game. So you have numbers linked with colours. But it's based on a very English, very early English game called, well, some believed it was called Roly Poly. 
and that was simply even or odd. Now, it weirdly didn't have even or odd numbers, it just had E or O, and they were next to each other, E-O, 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 and then you put your money on even or odd. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of linked to a, um, a very, very early dice game, which, which, which happened in China and Japan, which um, I've always been interested in the history of gambling, and this is fantastic. So what happened is they, the French had developed a game where there were actual numbers and colours, and they linked it with the uh, English version of odd or even, and they produced roulette. Okay, so for me, that's interesting. But what I love about it is that roulette suddenly appears in the sort of first quarter of the 18th century. It hasn't been around before. And it appears because dice games suddenly become banned. And it's all to do with uh, the government being terrified of gambling. Now, dice in particular becomes a massive social problem in the early 18th century, so that essentially they bent the wheel, but the point is, is that the history of roulette, the, the, the negative of that is dice. So roulette exists because dice has been banned, because some people up in government have decided that they want to somehow control gambling, because they are fearful of the kind of the moral um, problems and the financial problems associated with gambling, particularly with games that are not linked with skill. Right. And roulette's a classic example of this. Right. It's random. It's purely random and you just stick your money on and you can make money. Now you can make a lot of money and the brilliant thing about it is you can make money without doing any work. <laughs> Which is why all of these people in the 18th century absolutely loathed it. They thought that the good moral thing to do was to go out to work to get money going, thrown through the economy, people would develop, you know, all sorts of wonderful businesses which they could tax, and off the world goes. So the wheel, the roulette wheel, is directly linked to um, sort of government obsession with how one should earn one's money. Fantastic. So, <laughs> so, the, so the wheel is all about is all about gambling and moral probity. Yes, effectively. Yes. For, for me, for me, I want to take the wheel in a different direction. For me, the wheel is all about reading. No. Yes. How? It's all about reading. How so? What do you think? Describe that. <laughs> wow, that's a headache. So it's a man... My God. It's a man sitting at a chair, and in front of him is a huge wheel. Um, it's kind of like a, a massive bass drum. It's like a man playing the bass drum, but it's bigger than that, and... In the rim of the wheel are books. Yep. This is, is a, this is a Renaissance book wheel. Wow. A reading wheel. And it's a, it's a design by the are those Italian... Are Is that the same book? That is different the, pages of the same the, book? Different pages of... No, no, no. These are, these are multiple books. So different it's all books. About, it's all about radial reading. So it's about the ability to read not just a single book on a desk in a sort of very linear way, mm. but it's a way in which you are able to read multiple books at one time. So it's like multitasking. So it's like multitasking. It's almost like the sort of, you know, the modern, almost the equivalent to a modern day Kindle where you can flip between... Or an internet browser where you have different tabs. an internet browser where you have different tabs. But it is a book wheel that was invented by the Italian military engineer 
Augustino Romelli in 1588, and it's one of 195 or so designs in his book called The Various and Ingenious Machines of Captain Augustino Romelli. And what's fascinating about it is the way in which it revolutionises, pardoning the pun, the way in which we read. Mm. So rather than reading in a very sort of simple fashion, you're able to have a series of texts open, a series of books open, and consult them all in, in, in a, you know, to, to cross-reference in a way that you wouldn't necessarily have been able to do before. Yeah. Think about how you, how, how do you read? Well, how... I, think, I think actually the word that you just used there, which is really important to this, is consult. So, yes. so that's directly Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks to learning and research. It's isn't it? scholar, scholarly reading. Scholarly yeah. reading. Scholarly yeah. reading. So this guy's got... He's got three books open, and that's a quarter of the wheel. And, and as the wheel turns, so the... So the books would, would sort of pivot round and would always be on a slope so that you could so that you could read them. So that wheel, I suppose, if you've got three open on a quarter of the wheel, they're gonna be at least twelve, maybe fifteen. Yeah. Or, or but then more. you then you could t- you could turn the wheel and go back to another book that you were that you yeah. were looking at. So it's like a revolving library shelf. Yes. But yes. Or with crossed with work desks. Yes, exactly. I mean how many people yeah, I mean, nowadays, if we think about uh, the way in which we read, well, the way in which we, we read a book, you know, you think about the model of book reading, and it tends to be, the, I suppose, the novel that you read in a linear sense from, you know, the narrative from sort of beginning, middle, end. You yeah. read it in that way. But a, a sort of a Renaissance way of reading wouldn't have been like that. You would be dipping in and out of, of text, rather in the way that, uh, say, a historian might might read you know you very it rarely feels read cover to cover no that's really it's I, a, I, I get that picture it's a it's a scholarly model yeah i can see myself um, doing that except i have yeah. it in piles yeah, yeah yeah all around me sort of you know 15 books open at a time um all on kind of random pages i need a reading wheel you need a re- you definitely <laughs> need a reading wheel a friend of mine used to say that there was a difference between phds that came out of cambridge and phds that came out of oxford yeah because oxford's bodleian was not a borrowing library. Okay. And so basically you would have, you know, you would be, you would have a sort of pile of books in front of you that you were, that you would read, that you would, you know, that you would read through. Whereas Oxford's UL, University Library, is a borrowing library. You could take them home and you could read radially. I'm not sure I can entirely buy it. <laughs> wow. But it was this, it was this, it's this idea about how we read in different ways. And you think about how uh, tablet technologies, you know, web browsers have, you know, change the way in which we read nowadays. If you think about how people read on a Kindle, I'm not sure yet that the Kindle has the capacity for you to, I think it has the capacity for you to read a book at a time. And mm. It's very cumbersome, very slow. It's, you don't have the ability yet to sort of cross-reference in, in a way that something like this would enable you 
to do so. I mean, interesting. One of the things that really strikes me about that is how much it looks like a Ferris wheel as well, yes. because that's the yes. other thing I wanted to go yes. for. Okay. for wheels. So um, I was up in London looking around um, quite recently, went out for a meeting. And I was down by the river and I saw the London Eye. Yes. And I thought, oh, hello, hello. There's a big wheel. There's a massive wheel which utterly dominates the London skyline. It doesn't just dominate the London skyline. It dominates um, the skyline of many cities around yep. the world. And I suddenly thought, well, what's going on there? And lo and behold, the history of the Ferris wheel is amazing. And it's all linked to linked with um, mm. what, what is the opposite of a wheel in terms of kind of like huge sculpture and cities? What's the opposite? A tower. A tower. A spire. A spire. So it, what happened is that um, it's, it's, it was um, developed in America um, for the 1893 um, Chicago um, Exposition. Ah. Okay. Um, so it's a very Victorian thing, and it was all to do. It was actually built using rail, a railroad technology because yeah. they knew how wheels work. They could big, build lumps of steel. But this is the amazing thing. It was. A conscious um, American decision to challenge um, one of the greatest public monuments of the time, which was the Eiffel Tower. So when you think of the Ferris wheels, it's actually all to do with um, the relationship between uh, a very curious and sort of challenged relationship between America and France, and France. in the 1890s. And they'd been made to bristle a little by um, the Eiffel Tower, and they wanted their own version, and their own version was a damn load more fun than the Eiffel Tower because you can sit on it <laughs> and you can travel around. Right, the American way. But have a look here. This is a picture of um, of the original Ferris wheel, and it's goodness I, me. I, I think it's about three times larger than I would have expected it to be. It's how, how tall was it? How tall was it? In, oh, I've no idea, but it's enormous. Goodness me. In relation to all of these other buildings, um, so. That is, I mean, that must be three hundred meters. Yes, I mean, it is. It is high. vast, and it looks so rickety and dangerous. I mean, it's much higher than the Capitol Building, for example. Yes, it is in that photo. Or oh, that was a photo from actually being on the thing, and that is a. It's like a cat's cradle of bits of iron, like like a kind of a steampunk version of a Ferris <laughs> wheel that's been invented. An enormous hamster's wheel. Yeah, it is in the middle of. It's a wonderful thing. So there are other cities, you know, and I don't, I can't see Ferris wheels going anywhere. No. Um, how many have you been on? None. I suffer from, terribly from vertigo. Do you? So I've never been on a, I've never been, no, we, we, we went to London recently and my wife and two daughters, my three-year-old and five-year-old went on the London Eye and Daddy watched from the really? ground. And that, that's like a huge yes. kind of bomb-proof it's bubble huge. and you can't get I safer, can't, no. can you? No. Would you, would you have gone on this early? No way. No way. No way. No. Um, but, you know, the, the thing I think about this is, is, is the, the two things they have in common, though, the, this early American Ferris wheel from the 1890s and the Eiffel Tower, is height. It's the history of height. It's, it's demonstrating that you can build something that will take you up to the heavens. Yep, yep. The um, Tower of Babel, almost. Yes, absolutely. Yep, yep. Um, very much sort of looking, looking down, looking across, appreciating what's going yep. on beneath you. Um, and the, so there's a history of height we've got to explore. Good at some point. I'm not going to do yes. it now. But no, no, no. The history of height, definitely. Yeah, from watchtowers to the Eiffel The history tower. of the ruler. Yes, measuring. Uh, measuring. Yeah. Measurement. I, I, actually, I wonder if... The set square. <laughs> the, the set square. Yeah. Well, that's, those are all shapes that yes. we can do in the future. Brilliant. Um, and one, one more thing I wanted to finish off with. Um, I started off talking about gambling, and I'm going to finish talking about gambling. And um, 
You see, one of the things I love about history is, is how there are so many things that we don't understand and we don't know. Um, describe that. Goodness me, that looks like... It looks like a clock of some sort. A cross between a clock and a shield. So I don't know how big it would be, but it, so looks, it is about the size. So it's about okay. So it's about sixty centimeters across in diameter, and it looks like it's made of metal, brass, copper. Um, it is it a compass? Right, yeah, there are compassy things. Compassy things on it. Things there, on it. Um, and it's arrows. It's num. It's got there are numbers around it. Numbers around the edge, like a roulette wheel. Like a roulette wheel, or and it a... has hands. And it has hands on it. Does or have... a dartboard. Or a dartboard. Okay. So this is something called the nut spinner. Right. And um, we don't know anything about it. Right. It's a. It's a brilliant curiosity from um, 1850, 1840, right. 1850. But um, it has a name. It does have a name, and that's actually quite interesting, because I don't know where the name comes from. Right. It was called the Nut Spinner, and it was, it's been found on Brunel's ship, the SS Great Britain, hmm. which was, uh, you know, the earliest luxury um, uh, iron-built ship, um, like a luxury cruise liner, basically. Yeah. People could yeah. pay to go on it, and they get taken across to America. And we think they used this as the basis of some kind of game. It's a spinning wheel, so it's a, it's, a, it's a round wheel divided into sections. Sections have got numbers and there's a spinner in the centre. But the, the, the numbers are, as far as we can work out, quite random. And um, there's a kind of a link between a compass <laughs> and, and and the numbers. So it's it's very much, um, there you go, there's a kind of graphic representation right. of it. Um, and would you gap? Would you gamble on the numbers we, we, we rather think, like a yeah, roulette we, wheel? We think it did, or it was a, it was a kind of a spinner for a board game. Rather like spin the bottle or something like that. Or something like that. Lots, like, so you, you might move yeah. things along. But yeah. one of the interesting things along it is that the numbers um, only go down to seven. They start right. at seven. Right. It's, it's a complete mystery. They start at seven and they go up to 32. Hmm. There is no 31. Um, they... And there's no one to six. Yeah, the, the opposite numbers are all the same. So 14 is opposite 14, 11 is opposite 11, 10 is opposite 10. Um point is there's a wonderful spinning game here that we don't know anything about and that's actually linked with the history of gambling at sea which is particularly interesting because the sea is a very kind of liminal state and normal rules of society generally are not followed at sea so there's something really fascinating going on here so if any of you got some time, can you please research 1840s spinning games, particularly at sea? The um, nut spinner. The nut spinner. Um, what I like about this particularly, though, is it makes you think about how and why the numbers have been put where they are around the board, which leads me to the very important question of the history of darts. Excellent. Okay, so that looks like a dart board. Yeah. Now, the numbers of darts are put around that wheel in a very, very careful way. Yes. So you have low numbers, either side of high, high numbers. numbers. The yeah. whole purpose yeah. of that is to penalise... People trying to get the 20. Yes, get yeah. the 20. So um, either side of the 20, it's five or one, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's not one or two. So if you think about it, there are very many ways that the dartboard could have been designed. And the current setup for the dartboard, this gets back to me and just pubs and gambling, really. <laughs> You'll see what my problem is deep down in my soul. Um, it was invented about 1860 by, by a, um, uh, a carpenter. Hmm. And, and this was his best way of um, 
proposing that the dark will be set out, but there are very many different ways that it can be set out. And it's actually, a, it's actually a, a, an interesting mathematical problem. People still write research papers on it now on the best way of doing it, but they found out that the 1860s version, the one that you'll play now, is pretty much as good as it gets. So the wheel, again, is about gambling. Wheels about gambling. That's where we are. About gambling. Superb. So we've done Ferris wheels. We've done reading, reading wheels, wheels, which was insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've done gambling of various types. And we've also done the, the holes in history, the fact that we don't know anything about it. We don't yes. know gaps. Actually, exactly. there's, there's a, there is a more general point I wanted to make, is that um, particularly with the history of gambling, one of the ways that we as historians learn about gambling is because of laws that are passed to ban certain games. Yeah. Right? So that raises this wonderful historiographical problem of knowing that the evidence that you're looking at is not the evidence of it being played and that it could have gone on no. long into the past. And, what, and, what, and the kind of things that go below the radar as yes. well. So that are, that are, that are, you know, that, are, that people don't know about yeah. that pass the test of surveillance. The test of surveillance. I yes. like that. We should do the history yes. of surveillance. We should do the history of holes. Yes, yes, we should. Spy holes. Yes, I'm going to do spy holes. I'm going to do spy holes. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, um, brilliant, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to our wonderful history of the wheel. Do get in touch with um, any interesting historical wheels that we haven't thought about. There are going to be an awful lot of those. Yes, days. and we didn't. We did the whole of this without talking about the motor car. We did, um, <laughs> which is amazing. Yes, or or the penny farthing. Or do, the penny farthing. Do you know, I saw I, I saw a um a picture of a, of a sort of early twentieth century tank, right? right, which was modelled on the penny farthing. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. So it's huge and like armed to the teeth with guns, but with a, a huge wheel at the front and a tiny wheel at the back. It looked the, just ridiculous. A very bad idea. Or the hamster wheel. Oh, I like the hamster wheel. Mm. The history of hamsters. The history of hamsters would be, yes. Do that kind of thing. We've, we've done zebras. We can do, <laughs> we can do hamsters. Uh, just get in touch. We're, we're now just talking about animals. Um, and make some suggestions for some future podcasts. But that's it for now. Bye. Bye.